Welcome back. I want to take a quick second to tell you about our sponsor of today's episode of North American Deer Talk, CNE Wildlife Products. CNE Wildlife is a trusted leader in biotechnology for the cervid industry. They offer microencapsulated bacteria products that are research supported through Texas Tech University. With more than 30 years of experience and commitment to all natural probiotics, this product line continues to be a mainstay in herd management programs across North America. And the reason is simple. They are passionate about the cervid industry. They have products for elk, whitetail, muleys, red deer, and more. With products ranging from Fawn Paste and Electromax to Guardian Plus, Whitetail Energy Pack, Jumpstart, or their ever-popular Top Score Extreme, they just flat out work. We've been a CNE Wildlife product user for more than 15 years. To learn more about CNE Wildlife, check out episode 54 of North American Deer Talk, a probiotics masterclass with CNE owner Sadie Horrocks, and give her a call today to start using the products we do here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of North American Deer Talk. This is episode 67. So I queued this up for my title again you guys know how this works the title is how the sausage is made lobbying in the pennsylvania capital we have a guest today carrie lang from mill iron goodman how are you carrie doing good how are you i'm doing pretty well i'm uh i'm a little under the weather if you hear my my raspy voice i apologize and if we get lost in a conversation or i forget to ask a question don't hold it against me <laughs> back on track uh, yeah so uh before we get going i just want to take care of some housekeeping if you're watching on youtube thank you so much make sure you hit that like and subscribe button you can follow us over on instagram at servid underscore solutions also check us out on the podcast we're on apple podcasts amazon google all those different platforms um so I've been uh, I've been hounding on Carrie for oh at least a month and a half about coming on the show. I thought it'd be really interesting, and it's it's kind of fitting because the past two shows uh, that I've done, I've talked about uh, the Pennsylvania Deer Farmers Association, and in episode sixty six, we talked about the slow creep of tyranny and the urine ban, um, and we're going to get into that. But uh, first, I'd like to just um, just touch on uh, your firm, Mill Iron Goodman, who who is uh, contracted uh, by the PDFA as our our lobbyist in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is our capital, and just touch on a little bit of that that history uh, that we have together because we've been working together uh, through your firm for over fifteen years, um, might be seventeen or eighteen now. It's been a long time. Uh, I know when I. I came on the board and kind of got more involved. Uh, uh, John John Milliron was just kind of finishing up his his tenure. Um, Andy Goodman, who's the managing partner of the firm, uh, was kind of cutting his teeth on our our account. And um, you know we've 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 grown obviously uh, as an association, and and certainly your uh, your lobbying firm as well with you know associates added and. Um, just give us a little bit of, of, uh, your background and kind of when you came on the firm and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So I, 
I'm a little bit unique from the lobbying perspective. Um, most lobbyists that you'll meet in Harrisburg have some sort of background working in the Capitol or in some sort of government relations um, agency. Um, I was fresh out of school. I got a job lobbying um, with a local firm. I stayed there for about two years and then switched over to a diff different firm. Um, I was there for two years before I came to Mill Iron and Goodman. Um, I've been here and hopefully plan to stay here for, for quite some time. Um, <laughs> deer farmers will always stick out in my head um, as one of the first clients I started working on here. Andy, we were in the conference room and Andy slid across a piece of paper with like, I don't know, five or six clients on it and said, these are the ones we're gonna be working on. And I thought deer farming, I'm like, I, he's pulling a prank on me. I never heard of it before. <laughs> I don't know what was going on, um, but yeah. Turns out really good association to work with, good people. Um, and it's been a blast. I've learned a lot. Josh has basically educated me on on everything related to your farm. And um, it's been good. It's been a good run. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I know, um, you know, I remember the... that day like it was yesterday. He was just like, <laughs> I'm like, what, are you kidding? I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's a. Uh... <laughs> It's like an episode of, of punk, you know, he's like, yeah. Oh yeah, you're taking on the deer farmers association. You're like the what association deer yeah. farmers. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly, uh, you know, and I know Andy has said this to me many times that like, when you walk around in the Capitol and you know, you're saying hi to people and they're asking you who you represent or, or what, what kind of business you're on there today. And you say deer farmers, like people typically don't forget that. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to pick on, um, and I don't know if these are your clients or not. So, so don't hold it against me, but like, you know, like the, the highway association or the, you know, the pipe fitters associate or whatever, you know, yeah. and, uh, it's, it's not that those types of associations or, or organizations are forgettable. It's just, uh, deer farming is, is really a, uh, unique agriculture venture in the state. And, um, given the size of our, our, um, you know, our group of people that we have here in the state, uh, it's, it's something to, to be remembered and looked at so that I can, I can appreciate your, uh, your uh, <laughs> kind of zeal to take it on and, and the interest in it. Um, so as far as, as far as, um, like what lobbyist lobbying is and like what lobbyists do, can you give us a kind of a rundown? Cause I think, uh, lob lobbying can be, um, thought of in, in many different different forms um i just like to kind of hear your perspective on on you know because you, you do this every day like yeah. what 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 is lobbying so i've had about eight years to get my elevator pitch down on what is a lobbyist so many people ask me what it is you're familiar with it everyone is vaguely familiar with what a lobbyist is um but it always kind of comes with a negative connotation so you get oh you're in politics you're just another politician you're taking all our money, you're not doing anything good. Um, I think most people would be shocked at how many and how many different groups have a lobbyist. It's nearly every industry imaginable has some sort of representation in not only the state capital, but in DC. Um, basically, we're the liaison, we're your advocate, we're your voice in the capital. So Josh has been, you've been educating me all these years, um, and I'm now able to basically comfortably go into the Capitol and, and do your work. Um, if there's a certain issue, 
CWD related, game commission related, I can go up there and say, hey, I need a meeting with representative so-and-so and we didn't talk about this. Um, makes it a little bit easier on Josh's end, on the association's end. So he doesn't have to be here doing all that legwork every day. Um, but yeah, that's, it's pretty much, I represent you and your issue. So when you, I think you touched on a little bit at the end that like I, as the, the president of the association don't have to be in Harrisburg, um, on a regular basis. Um, what other, I mean, like, so what, what is it that, that you're looking for? What is it that you're, um, you're doing on, on the association's behalf, uh, that's, that makes it helpful. Like why, why is it? Cause I, I think it's probably a little misunderstood. Um, why is it that, um, that an association like the Pennsylvania Deer Farmers Association needs to have a lobbyist? Like why, why can't we do the job by ourselves or what is, why, why is that important? You definitely could do it by yourselves. Um, it's a, it would be a lot of work. Um, but I think it's beneficial because I'm spending all of my time helping to educate the legislators. You guys can continue doing your deer farm business. Um, it's, it kind of gives you a leg up from other groups that might not hire a lobbyist. I, I'm now spending all my time doing a lot of deer farm stuff in the Capitol. Um, other groups that might be in opposition to some of the legislation that we introduce, um, they might also have a lobbyist. So we're kind of leveling the playing field a little bit and giving you the same amount of voice in the capital. That makes sense. Sure. Um, so when you're, when you're in the capital, you're, you're dealing with, um, I guess let's, let's get into a little bit of the, the nitty gritty. Um, you have, uh, the house of representatives and you have the PA Senate, obviously you have senators and representatives and there's also staff. So like walk us through, it doesn't have to be specific, but like, what, what, what are some interactions that you have on a regular basis when you're, you're actually in the Capitol, you're, you're, you're in, in our Capitol building and, and those folks are up there. What does that look like? Who do you interact with? Um, so day to day, um, I typically, I typically kind of map it out before I go up there, but you know, if I have to run and see Carrie Golden or any ag committee staff that can pop by their office um, without necessarily scheduling a meeting in advance, typically with the chairman and, and higher up in leadership, you need that, that pre-scheduled meeting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much, you can go knock on their door and say, Hey, look, I have an issue. Um, Josh with Deer Farmers just called me and he said that this might be coming down from ag and, um, we need to talk about this and kind of get ahead of it before it becomes a, a larger problem. So it's sort of, it's sort of the access, um, but not, not in the negative connotation that you typically see or hear about in the movies. Gotcha. Um, and, and I think I'll highlight the, um, you touched on, you know, quote unquote, something coming over from ag and then, and then yeah. chatting with legislators about it or, or executive staff, uh, for the, some of the various committees. And I think one of the, the key things that we can point to is that in early on in the relationship between, uh, Miller and Goodman, uh, and the Pennsylvania Deer Farmers Association, you know, we, we were seeking to be, uh, regulated as a, a livestock business. And, and one of the key reasons for that was 
uh, we really needed the veterinarian expertise that we uh, believed the Department of Ag could offer us. And um, we were successful in, in getting um, House Bill 1580 passed, which is the, the regulatory bill that basically says that the Pennsylvania deer farmers, or excuse me, the Pennsylvania deer farmers are regulated um, solely under the Department of Agriculture. So, you know, when you look at when you look at states, can you just walk us through like um, the, you know, the legislative process and then the, the regulatory process from kind of a high level and, and what that looks like? So the, the regulatory process is, is very complicated and even more time consuming than the typical legislative process. Um, but as far as bill, getting a bill to the, the finish line and signed into law, um, it can happen fairly quickly depending on how things are lined up or it could take some time. So we have a two year legislative cycle in Pennsylvania. Um, we have from next year, we'll start our new two year term. So it'll start January, 2023. Um, and then it'll go to November of 2024. Um, so at any point during that two year cycle, you can get a bill introduced. Um, so if we had an issue that I needed to introduce legislation for, I could say, hey, I know this is coming up. I'm going to get ready for it. I'll have it introduced in January. Um, there's co-sponsorship memos and all of that, but basically our bill would then get referred to a committee. So it would either go to for deer farmers, ag, or game. Um, actually, last year we had one in finance. So it depends. Depends on what the issue is. It gets referred to a committee. You have to get it out of committee and then it goes to the full house or senate floor so you can introduce a bill on either side the house or the senate doesn't matter um and then it ping pongs to the other chamber so if we started in the senate it's got to do the whole process all over in the house we start in the house it's got to do the whole process over again in the senate um lots of different um it's like a game. It's like a game of chess. There's a lot of different strategies and a lot of different um, things that could pop up. You could do amendments. There could be lots of stakeholder meetings with other groups in in while this process is going on. Um, but but once it passes both chambers, then it goes to the governor's desk where you would hope it would get signed in our case. Um, but, you know, on our perspective, sometimes we're playing defense. So sometimes another group might introduce a bill that we're opposed to. Mm. So we kind of got to battle it out while they're trying to work it through the House and Senate. So it just depends. Um, every strategy is different. I've got 10 different clients, lots of different issues for each one. Um, and each process has not been nearly identical to, an, uh, to another one. It's, it's changes. It changes on a daily basis. So, yeah, I want to walk through. Um... I want to walk through the process, um, maybe using an example, right? So if you, and, and, and I suspect that this process is very similar through many of the various state capitals. And, and I've said on the show many, many, many times, um, the generalized statement is it's hard to fight the government, right? And people always want to know, like, what does that mean? And, and so if we can, I, I just, I want to go step by step. So let's just say Pennsylvania Deer Farmers Association has an issue 
or they find something that they think that they're they're seeking uh, clarity or guidance on that is potentially what we feel right between a conversation maybe between uh, yourself and and our association uh, leadership that is is important to us and we say we're not going to get this done through regulation right and when we say regulation we're we're talking about um in this case the department of agriculture right so we'd look at a, a legislative fix um yeah. so we would we would have conversations you would probably initiate those with um staff members or members of uh, a committee that we we would think like would be a good fit for it. So maybe it, maybe it's an ag committee. Right. Yeah. And we, we basically say, look, here's, here's our problem. We think that this is uh this is needed. And then legislation gets, gets drafted. And then that's proposed through the committee. Walk us, walk us uh, through that. Yes. So it, again, it sort of depends on, on the issue. It depends on what committee it goes through. Every committee handles their process a little bit more differently. Um, there are some committees where I know the staff are going to say, hey, look, you kind of know this issue. Why don't you try drafting it? And we'll kind of take it from there. Um, other issues, other committees are very hands-on and they want to handle all drafting. Um, they want to handle all the stakeholder meetings. They kind of want to be the focal point of the process. Um, you know, if we were to have a bill go through ag, Carrie Golden would obviously be helping us out with most of that drafting. Um, but yeah, so once we have the draft done, um, we would have a bill sponsor at that point. Um, and they basically go ahead and introduce it. And then it goes, it gets referred to committee. Um, from there, we have to typically push pretty hard and advocate pretty hard on the issue um, to get a committee vote on the bill. Sometimes you might not get a committee vote right away. It might go for a hearing first. So basically the committee staff will bring in a bunch of different groups that might have an interest in it. And everybody just sits down and you get 10 to 15 minutes to testify in front of the committee and kind of go back and forth, Q&A. Um, and then they kind of take it from there. The issue might die at that point. They might take it further and hold a committee vote. It just, it all depends. Every issue is, is so different. Um, so it's kind of hard to box it in, but in general, you would get that bill introduction committee vote and then a floor vote. Gotcha. Um, you just for the clarity of the listeners, you had mentioned uh, Carrie Golden's name uh, twice yeah. now. Uh, she is the uh, executive uh, director on the committee for the House Agriculture. So um, just for those those in uh, not in the know in, in the Pennsylvania uh kind of side of things um you know she's a she's a a person over there with uh 26 7 8 years of experience in agriculture uh been with that committee a long time and and incredibly knowledgeable on all things ag including um our you know our uh transfer over to to ag so she's been there the whole time and um you know she's she's worked on a lot of these these issues so just just for those listening um we we've said her name a couple times and and uh that's the that's the backstory on that um <laughs> no i i appreciate you um appreciate you kind of walking through that process and and for those that are uh not familiar with that that political process it's it's um for the most part it can be 
pretty tedious and it's a it's a lot of work and it takes it takes a ton of time um it can now, be very tedious um i've had some really simple issues that have had no opposition um and then at the last second it becomes june budget season and then there's all kinds of trades going on so then it becomes even more complicated but yeah it can be a very tedious process um getting a bill introduced and finished in one session um would be a big deal that's it can be very difficult to do that um so yeah it's we generally we push for patience on on the client perspective side of things even though we, we say a two-year cycle it seems like a long time to get a bill done not really it can be it can be a couple sessions before a bill gets done especially in certain committees yeah, it's interesting. I think about, and of course, I'm not, I'm not there every day, but I'm, I'm forced to participate in the, in the process, uh, because of my, my position in the association. And I, I look at, uh, you mentioned budget season, and in, in Pennsylvania, you, you, they do a budget every year. You have, you have to do a budget every year. It's, I think it's constitutionally required. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's a balance. I think it's a balanced budget, isn't it? Yes. Yes. June 30th every year, they got to finish out a budget. Yeah. So that process um, uh, kind of, well, there's the appropriation process, right? Governor puts forward his his budget, then there's the appropriations and, um, you know, all the committees are shuffling around trying to figure out how to, um, what, what to put in to spend and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's kind of like from January to June, it's, it's a mess. And then every two years we have an election which yeah. throws another monkey wrench in. So you, you can see why the, uh, the political system uh, can be messy and is messy. Um, and it's, it's a challenge to find, you know, good, good people that um, can appreciate um, a, a simple uh, legislative process. Um, I think a lot of people that potential, these are my words, not Gary's. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that uh, I think enjoy uh, being in uh, political power and they've been, you know, and nothing against a public servant for 30 years, but like, it's probably time to move on. Like I I'd love to, of course, I'm going to show my politics now, but I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to see some, I'd love to see some term limits. Um, on uh on folks just to get fresh perspective and kind of keep that uh political process kind of rolling along because um you know we we have challenges and and it's not that people can't get it done but um it's it's uh i think over time it just it, it gets messy so anyway we'll we'll veer off that um what um you know another kind of another big part of of uh you know, the, the lobbying side of things or the political side of things is a, is a PAC fund, right? Um, can you talk about maybe what a PAC fund is and, and some of the importance of that? So PAC is the Political Action Committee. Um, and most associations, at least the ones that I work on, have set up their own PAC. And basically, they encourage their members to donate annually, monthly, whatever it is, um, a certain amount of money. And that those PAC dollars can then be um, contributed to campaigns of senators and representatives who are supportive of deer farming issues. Um, so it kind of supports them to keep them in office um, 
and then they continue to support our issues. Yeah, and I I think that's um I think that's interesting, and of course I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little uh, counterintuitive to what I just said about the the term limits comment, but there is a tremendous amount of education that goes on um, through the um, association via the lobbying process to have um, representatives and senators and even even staff um, understand you know, in, in our case, what deer farming is, right? Like, what is it? I mean, because I mean, you kind of you, you you chuckled about getting the, the piece of paper slid across the desk, uh, when you first started at Mill Iron and Goodman, like what's deer farming, right? And it, it takes, it takes time, right? It takes um, years of interactions and, and, and just um, talking with deer farmers, going through um, chatting with ag, chatting with veterinarians, and and understanding kind of the intricacies of of the business itself, right? Uh, because we we are a viable business, and and it just it takes takes time to have that that knowledge base. Um, so when you get people that understand the issue, whether they're um, pro deer farming or not, having that educated background to the issues, and at this point, outside of like general business practices, we're looking at a, at a, a disease issue, which is chronic waste and disease. And we'll, we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty nuanced conversation and it's, it's probably, you know, I could, I couldn't imagine, you know, being a, being a, a representative or a Senator in the state and having all of these different people with all of these different issues in, in their lives coming and trying to be quote unquote, an expert on all these things. Right. And we have some regional, um, differences for various, um, you know, various things like we'll use Marcel shale, right. Cause everybody knows Marcel shale in the state of Pennsylvania. There's no shale over in Philadelphia. Right. So like the folks in Philadelphia are not advocating for Marcel shale. But I promise you where I live in Lycoming County, there's wells everywhere around here. Everybody knows what Marcella Shale is and the importance of it to local economies, to our energy sector, et cetera. So like, you know, the, the, like my representative here, uh, Joe Hamm and, and, and uh, Senator uh, Gene Yaw, like they know this stuff, right? They've been educated on it. They're going to, they, they can, they, they understand the importance of it. But you're not gonna you're not gonna find someone, and I'm picking on Philadelphia because I just know there's no shale over there. But you're not gonna find somebody over there that has the the deep understanding because they haven't heard from their constituents about it, right? Um, so I, I think to the the back to the point of the PAC fund, like it's important that that we do have these dollars to spend to encourage those people and allow them to to campaign and 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 stay in office at least for a decent amount of time. Um, I guess I have a question. So when you look at when you look at staff, and maybe you can maybe you can point to you don't have to point to specific examples, but maybe some register in your in your head. Do you find that um, uh, staff, you know, you know, educating staff and then having them understand the issues long term is a is a good play? Like maybe those people go end up going into politics or running for for a, a seat when they you know mature a little bit, like. You think that stuff goes on? Staff um, are one of the most critical people, group of people to meet with in the Capitol. 
Um, they are the ones that are going to typically stay with their committee for an extended amount of time. And they typically stay there through lots of turnover. So um, in ag or game, I don't need to keep calling out Carrie Golden. It could be any committee. Um, typically the staff will stay there through a number of different chairmen. Um, they'll stay there through a number of different leaders. Um, and then they eventually become that expert, um, the go-to person where everyone's saying, hey, uh, so-and-so has been here so many years. I'm sure they have worked on this issue before. Let's reach out to them and see if we can, um, you know, help them, use them to help educate the committee a little bit. So um, staff, that's a very critical group to meet with. Um, yeah, they could they could also end up running for office. So that's always a good thing um, to keep them in the loop on. But in general, you definitely want to make sure staff know not only who you are, but your background. They, you want to make sure that they know who to call uh, when a certain issue comes up that, you know, maybe you and I haven't heard that whatever is coming up on CWD, but Ag or Game Committee staff has. At least I know at this point they know who to call and they will be willing to pick up the phone and give me a call, give me a heads up. Hey, look, this is what's coming down the pipeline. Uh, I need whatever information from you. And then you can kind of help with the process from there. But yeah, staff, very important. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think to highlight that, um, if you look at, we we mentioned Carrie Golden and her, you know, her tenure of almost 30 years on the, the ag side and you look at the game side in the house and you have Greg Raffelsberger and, and we were fortunate enough to invite Greg out um to a, a ranch tour which we'll we'll touch on here in in one second but you know he's i think he's 40 40 years on the game um the game committee in the house something like that 40 years folks like i don't know how long he's been around but he's they've all been around for quite some time yeah i'm 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 almost positive because i asked him and uh i'm pretty sure he said that and if it's not it's it's right up there close to that but like if you think about um if you think about your experience um, when you're doing something for that long, like you've seen so many, um, you know, transitions through, you know, different administrations, different chairmen's, and that historical context is really, really important, um, yeah. you know, for, for the process moving forward. And, and, you know, you have that, that background. So I think that's a, I think that's a, an interesting perspective. Let's, um, I, let's jump into the, CWD issue because like that's the only issue we ever work on and people are probably tired of me talking about it but I won't stop until we we get this thing figured out the elephant in the room the elephant yeah and 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 everybody knows the elephant's there right and now they're talking they're talking to it they're talking about it and and that's good now we can we can preface the conversation um we're gonna we're not going to try to debate the merits of the disease today. We're going to simply talk about the regulatory environment that's been created and some of the, some of the dynamics, whether they be political or not, um, around the disease. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting to highlight a few items and, and kind of what PDFA does and maybe your, your role in, in those. Um, let's, I guess let's start with the, um, the hearing because we talked a little bit about the um like you know getting new piece of legislation done um not that we're specifically seeking that but you had mentioned you know coming in front of committees and stuff like that can you touch on the cwd hearing 
um, in, in February? Yes. So I believe it was the Senate game. It might have also been the Senate Ag Committee, but I know it was at least the Senate Game Committee. They reached out to us and said that they were going to be holding a hearing regarding CWD. It was out in Bedford, um, and they were going to bring a bunch of stakeholders in National Deer Association. Game Commission was out there. Um, maybe some couple folks from Ag. I can't quite remember. Um, and then the Deer Farmers Association was there as well. So we all went out there. Everybody got about 10, 15 minutes. Josh went out and presented his testimony. Um, but it was a good opportunity to get everybody into one room. Finally, that we haven't really had that um, where basically every stakeholder interested or involved in this has been in one room um, and talking about their perspective um, on it. So that was that was really good. It was out in Bedford, so that gave some opportunity for some of the legislators um, when we weren't in session to kind of make it out there and, and be part of that conversation. Um, but from there, it sort of funneled even more conversations. So we kind of had the idea um, from the Deer Farmers Association, well, there were so many members that were really interested in seeing a deer farm. They don't know what exactly a deer farm is. Let's bring them out and let them see something face-to-face. -face. So that kind of funneled some one-on-one, -on -one, um, more real-life perspective. And we've done a bunch of tours since then. So that's been really helpful as far as the education side of it. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I have the, uh, my, just my Senate testimony uh, queued up. I'll just put the link right here. So if you see that link pop up in the YouTube video, you can, you can watch that. It's about 20 minutes. Um, so I, I think I had 10 minutes of testimony and, and 10 minutes of a QA. and a and I, th I think you'll find it interesting. Um, it's always, uh, we, we, as an association, we've, we've done that uh, twice now. Uh, in front of that type of setting, and it's always really interesting um, to be able to to present. And so there was uh, the Game Commission. Brian Burhans, who's the executive director of the Game Commission, uh, testified. Kevin Brightbill, who's the uh, head state vet for for animal health, uh, he testified alongside uh, Deputy Secretary Greg Hostetter, and then uh, Torin Miller from. Uh, NDA also also testified, and I got to I got to kind of close out the hearing, and uh, just a really good experience on a, a personal level for me, um, just to be able to speak in that forum and and talk about our issues and and some of our solutions, and and as many know, and and we've we've talked about uh, many times, and we'll continue to talk about is the technology uh, that Dr. Christopher Seabury developed with with uh, genomic analysis and kind of what the deer farmers are doing. Um, and also, you know, our, our association advocating uh, USDA for, for funding and then ultimately, um, you know, supporting our Department of Agriculture going out and, and getting some of those stakeholder funds uh, for us to use. So, um, you know, things, things move in the, in the right direction, um, you know, based on, you know, this, this type of stuff, these types of hearings. Um, and, and you had mentioned kind of some more of those uh, personal interactions um, that happen afterwards where, you know, a, a senator or congressman or staff comes up and they say, hey, like, I, I appreciated that. Like, I, I'd like to know more. Like, what can we do for that? And, and I think that, um, you know, it's really nice to, to take people to 
the different operations that we have in the state. And we, we've always done like the kind of generic farm tour with, with showing people, um, Hey, this is a farm, you know, it's usually in the fall, like, here's what we do. Here's the deer, that kind of thing. And there's, we, we we're going to continue obviously to do that because it's important to, to have people out there, um, and see what a deer farm is. Um, but I think kind of building off of the, the hearing and talking about the genomic analysis, um, it was really interesting for uh, Phoenix Whitetails and our vice president of the Pennsylvania Deer Farm Association, Emily Hughes, to open up uh, her farm along with her husband, Jason, and and allow us to come in there and, and invite some staff in. Uh, can you just talk about, um, you know, you, like what we did and maybe some of the impacts of that? Yes. So Emily was gracious enough and opened up her farm. Uh, the goal of that tour in particular was to see some fawns. Um, so again, this was another legislative, um, it was initiated by uh, Senator Laughlin. Um, he really wanted to see some fawns. I know he's an avid hunter, but not all that familiar with a deer farm. So he wanted to stop by and see something local. Um, might've been a session day or maybe not, but um, Emily's local, so we brought in some legislators, lots of staff, um, and we got to see them. And Jared and Emily went through some of the tagging processes. Um, Josh, Josh and Emily, it's okay. Did I just say Jared? Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Josh. Jared, you're you're getting a shout out. Thinking of Jared's tour, that's why. <laughs> um, good. So yeah, it's just that one-on-one, -on -one real life perspective face-to-face, -face, you're putting a face to the issue, which is always super, super critical. I could be up there all day, 24-7, talking about deer farmers, and it's only going to have a certain level of impact until they see your business, what it is you guys do, um, how many steps and, and how much money and time you're putting into preventing CWD. Until they actually see that, it's not going to stick. So um, that one-on-one -on -one time at a deer farm is is very very helpful um now on to jared's tour we we did a tour at jared's place in august that was also really helpful um that kind of spiraled out of um some conversations i'll say um within the house ag committee no the house game committee yep. about um potentially looking at looking into some of their concerns that they were seeing about hunting um and they were calling it canned hunts which is not a technical term but that's the term that they were using um so we wanted to take the opportunity and make sure that legislators were also aware of hunting ranches throughout pennsylvania not just as far as the cwd perspective but there are so many different aspects as far as deer farming um and we kind of want to make sure that they are actively involved in this so jared hosted I don't know, maybe 10, 15 legislators out there, a lot of staff as well. Um, and we got to ride his ATV throughout there. He wouldn't let me drive, but I'm not going to hold that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think the main takeaway that I got from that tour, a lot of legislators and, and staff as well said, hey, we didn't realize these branches were this big in, in our brains. Uh, we were we were expecting maybe a couple acres and maybe it's not really fair for the animal that and we saw that was clearly not the case if anything these deer are treated better than than a wild deer so 
um, that's good. You want to walk away from those tours with a positive impact. Um, and I think that definitely helped. As far as where that canned hunting conversation is in the Capitol, I think it's pretty quiet right now. Hopefully it stays that way. Um, and if it starts popping up again, we'll take another visit to Jared's place or someone else um, that's willing to, to host legislators. But again, it's that that face-to-face -face time showing showing people what it is you do, educating them. It's it's so helpful. Yeah, and I uh, I, I discussed uh, the the write up that I did on following up on that that tour, and and you said it, um, I think perfectly. And just to just to put an asterisk on that, you know, I, I distinctly remember one of the comments um, was, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but uh, it was basically like, "Hey, this isn't what people told me this was." Yep. And, and that's, that continues to stick with me and, and it drives home the point about, um, narratives and, and telling our story. And, uh, we, we had not done a ranch tour before we had always done the farm tour. Right. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but the hunting market continues to be the backbone of, of what we do. And the, the, um, the experience that, uh, we provide through privateer management and and ultimately using the tool of the high fence to manage uh, these herds and improve properties and and you know make sure that they don't turn into you know developments and subdivided et cetera um, is is evident when you go around uh, property like uh, Powderidge Outfitters. So kudos to the Barry family and 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 obviously we thank them for you know letting us kind of. Uh, participate in that that tour and um we we continue to try to tell our story and why it's important so uh i'm, I'm glad that glad that we put that together yeah and you you kind of hope that you know when they those legislators who were able to make it out there that when they're back in the capitol and one of those conversations starts popping up they can say no look i i went to jared's place in august it, it's not what you think it is and hopefully that can help help us um, advocate on your behalf. So you want you want lots of friends in the Capitol. It only makes things ten times easier when these little issues start popping back up again. Yeah. So um, I want to highlight um, I want to highlight one other issue that um, kind of involved the the tour circuit, so to speak, from from this year, um, and that was the. Um, proposed urine ban from the Pennsylvania Game Commission. So I, I want to say it was probably it wasn't this past this past meeting, uh, the the PGC meeting, but the time before, uh, the commissioners had directed uh, staff to to come up with uh, you know a, a little more research and proposed regulation on you know what to do about urine. Um, if you're if you're interested in to hearing that whole story and some of my thoughts around it. I'm going to, again, link to the last show, episode 66 right here. And um, you can watch that. And the, and the title is named The Slow Creep of Tyranny because when you look at, when you look at um, the ideological divide uh, between private deer management and the game commission over uh, white-tailed deer and its regulatory uh, status, they just don't like what we do. Um, that's been stated publicly and, you know, there, the, there's just, there's no way around that. So we have to continue to watch ourselves and our businesses. So when you look at, 
uh, chronic wasting disease and um, you know the the regulations around it we have dmas and we have established areas and we have quarantine zones and we have all these kind of uh, policies that are put in place that ultimately uh, restrict the the commerce opportunities for deer farms in the state like that's that's obvious it also restricts hunter opportunities um, and and how hunters need to operate within the field so when you look at urine there was a blanket ban that was proposed um, and we have one of the largest urine collection facilities in the nation right here in, in Pennsylvania. So um, our, uh, one of our board members, uh, Elon Lapp Jr. operates nationwide sense has so for a long time. He's in um, the Milesburg area and he has a just really beautiful uh, facility that he's worked for, I don't know, 15, 20 years now um, to build up and, and create uh, a business through deer farming that has benefits to literally tens of thousands of hunters uh, across the, the country, but also here in, in Pennsylvania. Um, so we wanted to highlight one of those parts of our business. So when you look at deer farming, it's like, well, you know, what can you do on a deer farm? And you can go through the list of, of things, right? So we have uh, breeding stock and, and, and uh, genetic improvement and urine and antlers and craft and venison and all those various things. And if I was someone that didn't like our business, I would go after the low hanging fruit and start chipping away at those things that allow us to make some money on our farms, right? So I look at my farm. Do I collect urine at my my farm? No, I do not. Would I like the opportunity to? Would I like to be able to do that as part of my business if I so choose? Yes, I would, right? Don't don't take that away from me. Um, and that's, that's what was being proposed. So uh, with that, can you just kind of walk us through what that, um, what that tour looked like? Yeah. So we invited a lot of people. It was House, Senate, Game, and Ag Committee. So the, the four different committees, um, all the caucuses, as well as I believe a handful of leadership was invited as well, just because this is, this was such a pressing issue. Um, invited a bunch of legislators, staff out, um, and Elam took us around and showed us this, this is what I do. Um, and this is how crazy it is of a proposal that we're going to try to ban the use of hunting sense. Um, brought in a couple experts on the issue that were able to actually provide scientific data. They weren't just talking and saying, this is what I think they actually had the data to show this is how ridiculous. I think he was saying 10 to 16 ounces of urine that a deer has to consume from an infected deer to become infected themselves. Um, so there were a lot of things that stuck out um, and it was good to have the legislative perspective again. We didn't know how far this proposal was gonna go. Ultimately, we had some good news and the game commission decided to not move forward with it. Um, it was close, it was a four four vote. So four people did wanna move forward, four commissioners did not. Um, but our thought process was, well, even if they do decide to move forward, we're going to need to combat this on a legislative route. So we wanted to kind of 
stay ahead of it a little bit and get the legislators involved and educated before we needed them to get involved on the issue. Yeah, and it's um, it was really great. Um, Elam had invited uh, Dr. Davin Henderson, yes. and um, <laughs> yeah, for for those um, for those uh, within the industry, um, you, you've probably heard his name before. He runs the company CWD Evolution, and what that is is it's a uh, diagnostic uh, company primarily, and they highlight the RT Quick technology, and that's just a um, a diagnostic test. What's interesting about the the RT Quick technology is uh, you can test urine, feces, saliva, those types of things, um, and and the program that um, kind of transitioned from the ATA or the Archery Trade Association, um, and and I I I forget the name. Again, it's queued up in um, some of our our Facebook posts, but it's basically a a self governing. Um, set of of kind of principles to making sure that the the urine that is collected is tested when it's bottled up there's a stamp of approval that it's clean and folks can use it um, you know ethically and with a good conscience that they're not spreading uh, chronic wasting disease uh, prions around right so um, junior has has kind of been a big part of that um, along with with dr Henderson and you know hearing, those things right from the horse's mouth um you know this is the same guy that is going to that's currently working with our um our lab in harrisburg and uh dr deep tuari to um get rt quick testing set up within our our state lab system and and also nationally so like usda is looking at this and like this is this is where the cutting edge science is going um so with that said it was really interesting, uh, and this stood out to me with some of the things that um, that Dr. Henderson was saying, uh, but this one in particular was uh, no no serious researcher looks at urine as a uh, transmission vector anymore. And I, I just was like, because any, any news article you see on, uh, there's always the standard paragraph, this is a brain disease, it's transmitted through feces, urine, saliva, right? And like, when he said that, I was just like, well, that kind of knocks that one out because it's like, it's not that it can't happen. It's just like, it's so, it's so unplausible for a deer to get infected like that. Right. So it was just great to have him, um, you know, there and, and be able to, to speak directly. Like, Hey, I'm the guy that they cite in the literature. Like you could just ask me. Right. Um, yeah. And don't take somebody else's word for it. Like I'll I'll tell you exactly what it is. So that was great. And um and know. it's again that that face-to-face -face time, those legislators and the staff, they were seeing Elam's Elam's got a family. This is his business, this is his livelihood, this is what you're going after. This is not just some name on a book that you can just attack for producing urine. Um, so it's that perspective that's really, really critical on these issues. And Luckily, we had a good outcome. It could possibly pop up again. Um, next it's going. Year. It's going to, for sure. Two years from now, you never yep. know. Um, but you know, we'll stay ahead of it. It's just there are so many different aspects of deer farming to keep the educator, keep the legislators educated on. Um, it's it's an ongoing process for sure. Yeah, and I I think, you know, to to highlight, 
um, to highlight that it's, it's not only a win for deer farmers, it's a win for hunters, right? Yep. So you got eight, 800,000 hunters that, uh, still have the opportunity to use urine, at least outside of the, the DMAs. Um, and, and that's a good thing, right? Like th this provides opportunity for folks and, um, that enjoyment of the outdoors, which, which we care about because every deer farmer I know is a hunter. Um, so the, I want to, I want to end on, um, you know, a topic, uh, for the future that we're, we're just kind of starting to work on and that's, uh, venison sales here in in Pennsylvania and, and maybe some of the kind of preliminary, um, thoughts around that, that, that you have. Yeah. So I know we've, we've talked about this in previous sessions and then we get sidetracked with, you know, CWD things that we're trying to stay on the offense with. Um, but hopefully next session, we'll be able to introduce some legislation, um, to allow the sale of whitetail deer venison. Um, I think it might be a bit of a challenge as far as, you know, USDA requirements, um, state requirements, We'll work through it. We're again, we're in the very early stages of that right now, but um, hopefully get a bill introduced and get that ball rolling a little bit next session. Um, again, that's going to help with the education piece of what it is a deer farmer does, what you're able to do, what you should be able to do. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll keep moving through that. We'll we'll use our advocates on that. We've got a lot of legislative champions up there now, um, or at least a lot of people who are interested in this topic. So this will, this will keep their attention on deer farming in a positive light. Yeah, I think as, um, and, and, and that's, I think it's a good point, you know, when you, when you look at, um, when you look at venison in and of itself, like it's a incredibly high quality protein that is very healthy for you. And I think, you know, with, with the kind of advent of, of COVID and people start, um, you know, <laughs> kind of questioning everything, uh, they look to their health, right? And and I think we have an opportunity to provide a, a really high quality uh, food to people that will, will you know, empower their their bodies and their minds. And, and venison does that. Um, it's a, it's a just really excellent meat. And it'd be great to have, again, a, a another uh, commerce stream that we can uh, we can have um to help you know keep our our businesses afloat there's just there's no question that uh every time we turn around there's there's some sort of inhibitor of some kind kind of being floated or talked about and you know it's it's always chronic wasting disease related but i i truly believe that you know in the coming years um you know that the the servant industry is going to going to beat chronic wasting disease, uh, pretty handily. And, and, um, ultimately I think that has huge benefits for, uh, the wild population. And we won't get into that here today, but I, I, I see that long-term as a, a really uh, great thing for our industry and for, for white-tailed deer in, in North America. So I hope that, um, we can find some success with that. I feel like every, every topic we tackle is just like a, it's a, it's always a big thing, right? Like it's just maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe other people experience this as, as well. Um, you know, in their, their businesses, I suspect government's always trying to, um, you know, they say they don't want to come after business, but it, it sure doesn't look like that to me. So. Yeah. Getting, getting this venison, um, issue done in one session, I think 
would be a, a heavy lift, um, but at least let's start the conversation, get the bill out there, get the legislators talking about this, um, and then kind of take it from there. But yeah, we'll start working on it. Awesome. Um, I appreciate you coming on today um, and just you know chatting a little bit about our our relationship uh, between the Pennsylvania Deer Farmers Association and 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 Mill Iron. Um, we we enjoy the. Uh, the relationship and and how everything's going and uh, thank you for your your work that you do for us so great working with you guys i think almost six years now been good yep awesome with that ladies and gentlemen stay tuned for another episode of north american Deer